0: Hi everyone, I hope you're all doing so well and welcome back to the Criminal Makeup Podcast. Each episode we dive into the minds of some of the worst criminals in history and today we are going to be talking about the case of the Whitehead twins. So today we are talking about twins that kill. Which we've only ever done one twins case before and there's definitely always a strange element when it comes to twins. I'm really sorry if you are a twin listening to this. So the twins in this case were named Taz and Jazz. They were teenagers and they had so much going for them. They were talented, intelligent, straight A students. Some even said they were on the track for Harvard. However, at some point along the way, they headed down the wrong path. Things got out of control. They entered a rebellious stage, which of course, most teenagers do. However, with the Whitehead twins, it was extreme and their behaviour just spiralled. People started calling them evil twins. People were saying that they were very cold, very calculating and this eventually resulted in the twins committing murder at just the age of 16 and today's case is shocking obviously because they are teenagers that kill but it's also a very sad case, a very sad case all round as we'll go on to find out so let's dive in. So Tasmia and Jasmia Whitehead, they also are known as Taz and Jazz, and I will be possibly calling them Taz and Jazz more in this case. They were both born on the 27th of November, 1993, making them both Sagittariuses. They grew up with their mom and grandmother just outside of Atlanta, Georgia. Now, obviously in these cases, we do normally start with the perpetrators and we go from their childhood and work our way through. However, to understand Taz and Jazz's childhood, we actually need to go back a little bit further. And we first need to look at their mother, Nikki Whitehead. So Nikki Whitehead was born in 1975 and she didn't have the best starting life because Nikki was actually born in prison. So obviously Nikki's mom was in prison when she gave birth and she was in prison for drug and robbery offenses. So then obviously because Nikki was born in prison, she was straight away taken out of her mother's custody and placed in her grandmother's custody, who is called Della Frazier. And Della plays a very big role in today's case. So then Nikki was left to be raised by her grandmother, Della. So obviously this left Nikki just feeling abandoned and unwanted. So Della raises Nikki and in the early years, things are like pretty good. Della and Nikki really get on. They form a very close bond. And Nikki, despite everything that she's gone through so far, is thriving in life. But then Nikki enters her teenage years and this is where everything went wrong. This is where Nikki started to go off the rails. She started to drink a lot of alcohol. She started experimenting with drugs. She started hanging out with the wrong people, hanging out with a lot older people as well. She was partying all the time. And it's reported that Della didn't exactly have the strictest parenting techniques. There was literally no rules in place for Nikki. Nikki could basically do whatever she wanted. Della never set any curfews for Nikki. There was absolutely no restrictions on anything that Nikki could do. Nikki could hang out with whoever she wanted, do whatever she wanted, and Nikki pretty much did do whatever she wanted. She definitely took advantage of this situation and completely went off the rails. Most of the time, Della didn't even know when Nikki was. Like, she would just disappear for days on end, partying. And eventually, because when Nikki did enter her teenage years, when she was going through all of this, this is when Nikki and Della started to clash a little bit more, because obviously, in Nikki's early life, they really got on. Well, now, not so much. And eventually, this led to Nikki, leaving her grandmother's home at 16. Nikki then went to live with various friends. She just used to like stay in a spare room or on the sofa. She worked a few odd jobs here and there just to get by. She also started dating. And then when Nikki was just 17 years old, she did fall pregnant. And this is obviously now where we get back to the beginning of this case, because now, obviously nine months later, Tasmia and Jasmia are born. So that was Nikki's background. And that was obviously a very quick summary. But Nikki obviously didn't have the best starting life. She then got involved with the wrong people, went down the wrong path. Now she is pregnant, and she's still only a child herself. She's actually 18 when the twins are born, which I know, technically an adult, but she was 17 when she got pregnant, and she's still so young. I just feel like just because you're 18, just because you're legally an adult, doesn't mean you're emotionally an adult, if that makes sense. So Nikki is now 18 years old. She has twins, and no one was expecting twins, by the way. Nikki herself didn't even know that she was having twins until she popped out twins. I'm no medical professional, so this might be wrong, but I read that one of the babies was like behind the other one and only one heartbeat was being picked up, which is why no one knew that she was having twins. So anyway, Nikki is now 18. She has these twins. She doesn't really have a stable job. She doesn't have a stable home either. She has nowhere to live. She's just living at various friends' houses. And if you're wondering about Taz and Jazzy's father, well, he didn't want anything to do with them. Nikki fell pregnant with a man that she was only Briefly dating, they weren't dating for that long, and as soon as she fell pregnant, he was like, Yeah, I'm out. He also denied that the children were ever his, he just didn't want anything to do with them. And he was also married, which Nikki didn't know about at the time, she obviously found out after. So, yeah, he wasn't exactly the best guy, and he wanted nothing to do with Taz or Jazz or Nikki, no one. And Taz and Jazz, as far as I'm aware, never actually knew their dad, never had any contact with him. So, Nikki is really just on her own at this point. She's like, what the hell am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to raise these two girls? And then this is where the grandmother comes back in, Della, who is obviously Taz and Jazzy's great grandmother. But for the sake of this story, I am just going to call her grandmother because it's just going to get too confusing otherwise. So Della says to Nikki, come back home, come back home and live with me. I'll help you out with the twins. I'll help you raise them, help you any way I can. And obviously Nikki and Della weren't on the best terms because their relationship was obviously on the rocks, but they put all of that to the side because they knew that they had these twins. They had to put them first. So Nikki and the twins move back in with Della and they are now living as a family of four and in the beginning it goes really great. They form like a really close strong family bond. Della really bonds with her great granddaughters. Nikki as well starts to really thrive again now that she's back in a stable home. She trains as a cosmetologist and she starts working in a beauty salon and she absolutely thrives in this job at the beauty salon. She is so passionate about what she does. All of her colleagues love her. All of her clients love her as well. She was just one of these people that when you walked into the salon, she was just always smiling. She was always bubbly. She was always happy to help anyone. She was just so sweet and caring and pretty much everyone loved her. And then we have the twins who are also thriving. Even though the twins at this point are still obviously very, very young. They were described as happy children, very outgoing and confident, very caring and sweet. And being twins, and I know that this is probably a little bit of a stereotype, but in the case of Jazz and Taz, they really were the stereotypical twins. They were so in sync with one another. They had a really close bond. They were inseparable. They would finish each other's sentences. So things seem great, don't they? They really do. However, as we see with a lot of these cases, there were still problems. And the main problem stemmed from the fact that Della accused Nikki of not being present enough in the girls' lives. According to Della, Nikki was still kind of behaving like she used to. She was partying too much, drinking way too much, and Della was left at home to look after the twins. It's reported that because Nikki gave birth so young, I mean she was basically a child, she was still trying to live out her teenage years, kind of live out her youth. She didn't want to grow up and be a mom. And Nikki was just happy to leave the girls in Della's care. So it's described that Nikki was kind of more like a big sister to Taz and Jazz, not really their mother. And Della was more of the mother role in Taz and Jazz's life. But even with that dynamic in the household, it's reported that it didn't really affect Taz and Jazz that much. I mean, I suppose you possibly could argue, and obviously I am not an expert in like child development or anything like that, but I suppose you could argue that just the fact that their mom is not really being a mom to them she's more like being a sister i suppose you probably could argue that that is always going to affect them but it appears as for right now anyway that that dynamic in the household is not really affecting them negatively because the girls they are currently reaching middle school And they are still thriving. They were even on the honor roll. They were so academically intelligent. But on top of all of that, they were also extremely talented. They basically had it all. Because Nikki, even though she's not the most present in their life, she is still a part of their life. And Nikki still paid for them to go to tennis lessons, dance lessons, singing lessons. They both played instruments. They basically did everything. I cannot even stress to you how talented these two girls were. Basically, anything they did they excel at So even though it's reported that Nikki was pretty absent in the girls' lives in their early lives, she is still working really hard to provide for them. So now we get to 2007. Nikki is now in her early 30s and the two girls are just turned 13. And the whole family have been living with the grandmother, Della, for approximately about 12 years at this point. And it was at this point that some pretty significant changes happened. So the first is that Nikki finds herself a boyfriend, and she moves in with him and takes the twins with her. So the boyfriend was a man called Robert Head. He was in his 50s. He was a truck driver, and he owned his own home in a little gated community in Conyers, Atlanta, which is approximately about 20 miles, I think, outside of Atlanta. I may be wrong about that. And the two of them had been dating for a while, so this wasn't exactly a rushed decision. And Nikki just thought to herself that she's in her 30s now. She has grown up. She is matured. She is now in a stable relationship and she just feels that she wants to move out of her grandmother's house. She wants to stand on her own two feet finally. And Robert is a really good partner as well. He is really supportive. He is a really good father figure to the two girls. The two girls also like him. So this all sounds really great, doesn't it? Nikki finally is in a place where she wants to step up and be a mom. She is financially stable. She's in a stable relationship and she wants to kind of move on with her life and form her little family unit. You know she wants Stand on her own two feet. So the two girls go and live with her, and in the beginning, it's all great. And I feel like I say that so much in these cases, but it is really great. Nikki and her daughters, they are finally bonding. They're finally having that mother daughter bond instead of that sister sister bond. And I really wish I could tell you that it stays like that, and the bond between mother and daughters only gets stronger. Unfortunately, That is not the case. So not long after they all move in with Robert, Taz and Jazz start high school. And obviously high school is a big moment in most people's lives. But this is also when Taz and Jazz Started rebelling, which is very common. It's so common, isn't it? Teenagers, they go to high school, they have different influences. Teenagers, as well, they're at that age where they're no longer children. At least they don't think that they're children. But they're also not an adult, but they feel more like an adult than a child. So they start to form very strong opinions. They start to clash with parents, question authority, etc. You know, the rebellious stage. I feel like we've probably all been through it. But the change with Taz and Jazz was was extreme. And it pretty much happened overnight. All of a sudden, they go from these extremely caring, sweet young girls who are straight A students, love school, to all of a sudden, overnight, they don't care about school anymore. They drop out of pretty much every single club and all of the extra classes that they were going to, they pretty much drop out of all of those. And their caring and sweet personality just seemed to disappear completely Which is not normal, is it? Like teenagers do rebel, but you still see the human in them, you know? You still see that caring. Person that you knew before the rebellious stage. But with Taz and Jazz, it just completely disappeared. And before you know it, they're both out partying all the time. They are drinking. They are taking drugs. They are hanging out with the wrong people. They're also hanging out with older boys. In fact, there was one time when Nikki had to dial 911 because Jazz had completely disappeared. She had snuck out in the middle of the night to stay at her boyfriend's, and Nikki didn't know where she was. Kanye's 911, where's your emergency? I just woke up and my blood is gone at the house. How old is your daughter? Oh, no, at 13. And I also want to point out that when Jazz snuck out of the house to stay at her boyfriend's, she was only thirteen. And does this sound familiar to any of you? This is basically what happened to Nikki when she hit her teenagers. And because this had happened to Nikki, Nikki could see what the hell was going on, and she was thinking, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, no way. You two are not ending up like me. I'm not having it." And Nikki, because she has essentially been through this, this was basically her teenage years. It was probably like looking in a mirror. For her. So in response to this, Nikki started to implement rules, which of course Jazz and Taz are not used to at all because prior to this living with their grandmother, they had no rules at Della's house. But Nikki didn't want her girls ending up like her. She knew that she had to be a bit stricter. So Nikki started to implement curfews. Nikki always wanted to know where the two girls were. She also told the girls that they were not allowed to drink alcohol, not allowed to take drugs. She also didn't want the two girls hanging out with older boys. And when I mean older boys, I mean older. So Taz and Jazz had boyfriends and the two boyfriends were 17 and 19. Uh huh, and they're about 14, possibly 15 at this point. What the hell is especially a 19 year old? doing with a 15 year old. And Nikki also started to monitor who they were talking to on the phone, how they were using their phone, etc. And I don't know if it's just me, but these don't seem like extreme rules to me. I mean, this just seems like any other parent. They can see that their children are going off the rails and they want to do something about it. But Taz and Jazz did not see it like this. They were absolutely in infuriated. They had the mindset of, how dare you? And they started to say to their mom, well, Grandma Della never had these rules. We didn't have any of these restrictions with her. What gives you the right to implement these rules? And this is what I mean. Taz and Jazz saw Nikki as more of an older sister than their actual mom. But then Taz and Jazz also used to call their mom, Nikki, a hypocrite. They used to say to Nikki, well, you used to do this when you were a teenager. You used to drink alcohol and take drugs and used to party and disappear for days and date older boys. You used to do that why can't we? But unfortunately, Taz and Jazz and their rebellious behavior would only get worse from here. So after Nikki started to implement these rules and restrictions on the girls, the girls started plotting revenge. Uh They wanted revenge on their mom. First of all, they started acting out more and more. They just wanted to get back at their mom. They were basically like, oh, you think you can control us? Well... I don't think so. So they started skipping school even more. They were staying out later and later each night. They both had older boyfriends. I think Jazz was the one that had the boyfriend that was 17 and Taz had the boyfriend that was 19 while they started spending even more time with them. And Nikki, because she is trying to monitor what her girls are doing, she does go through their phone and she sees text messages between the girls and their boyfriends. And she is absolutely horrified. And she is so worried that the two girls are going to start engaging in sexual activity. And then her mind starts to wonder. She starts to think, oh no, I don't want them to fall pregnant. They're even younger than I was when I fell pregnant. And Nikki was thinking, no way, I am not going to let this happen. And she confiscates the girls' phones from them. And as you can imagine, that did not go down very well. And things just escalate from here. They get so much worse because Nikki is implementing these rules. She's trying to get control over the two girls. And the two girls are rebelling more and more for every rule that she implements. They're getting worse. And it gets to a point where the two girls are actually verbally abusing their mother. And the two of them are ganging up on her. It's literally Taz and Jazz against Nikki. And if you're thinking, okay, where's Robert? Because Robert also lives in the house. Well, remember that he's a truck driver. So he is gone for a lot of the time. So in the house, it literally is just Taz and Jazz and Nikki. And Taz and Jazz, they are very cold, very calculating. They're also very intelligent. And the way they bully and manipulate their mom and abuse her, it's just very scary. It is. They both are very scary. They definitely used their intelligence to their advantage. They also used to gaslight the hell out of their mom. They used to make her feel like she was the problem and she was making these things up. The two girls as well would also play good cop, bad cop. So one of them, I don't know which one, would really verbally abuse their mom, tell her how much they hated her, saying how much that she was the worst mom and they didn't care about her and all of these vile things and then the other twin would say, oh no, mom, don't listen to her. We love you. You're the best mom. So essentially, they were verbally abusing their mom and then love bombing their mom. And it's just really scary to think about the age of these two girls because they must not be older than 15. No, 14 at this point, actually. They're only like 14. And it's just really scary when you realize how young these two girls are and they are already master manipulators and they're already abusing their mom and the way they go about it they're so in sync and it is reported that Taz was the more dominating twin she was the one that was a bit more forceful the one that was a bit more outgoing and Jazz was the quieter one but even though they are slightly different in their personalities they are both participating in this they are both plotting against their mom they both have the same motivations they just kind of go about what they do to their mom in slightly different ways. And things carry on like this for a while. But then there was one incident where things did come to a head that resulted in a very shocking incident. Like, I can't believe this happened. So the two girls were skipping school, as we know. And Taz had actually been skipping school for several days in a row. And Nikki found out she was furious. She found out that Taz was staying at her boyfriend's. So Nikki went to Taz's boyfriend's house and went into the house literally dragged Taz out of the house, put her in the car and takes Taz home. Now in the car, a huge argument broke out. Nikki tells Taz that she's not allowed to date this older boy anymore. He's not good for her. And Taz says things like, you can't tell me what to do. I can do whatever I want. I can date whoever the hell I want. And there are multiple insults thrown both ways. And it just gets really heated and really out of control. And then all of a sudden, before Nikki could even think about what the hell was happening, Taz opened the car door and threw herself out of the moving car. Taz has thrown herself out of a moving car. Now, I don't know how fast this car was moving. I don't think it was moving very fast because amazingly, Taz was unharmed by this. And after she threw herself out of the car, She just got up and calmly walked away. Now, this is extreme, isn't it? Throwing yourself out of a moving car, that is on another level. Well, it's reported that Taz did this because she wanted to show her mom that her mom literally had no control over her. And Nikki was left absolutely traumatized by this. I mean, you would be, wouldn't you? If you, as a parent, saw your child throw themselves out of a moving car... That is traumatizing. So things go on like this for a few months. The girls are verbally abusing their mother and Nikki is just trying to get some sort of control over the girls. In fact, at one point, Nikki actually thought that her girls might be possessed by demons because they were just that out of control. She just thought that there was no other explanation for their behavior. And at one point as well, she was even considering an exorcism, but that never happened. Now, after a few months, the twins also start physically abusing their mother. And the two of them would gang up on their mom. They would jump on her. They would beat her. They would scratch her. They would kick her. And this was as well as all of the verbal abuse as well, because all of that was still going on as well. And this happened over and over again. This wasn't just an isolated incident. This would happen repeatedly over weeks. And it got so bad that Taz and Jazz were actually arrested for what they were doing. So this all came about because one day the twins, which was a common occurrence, but this day was particularly bad. So the twins jumped on Nikki. Both of them had Nikki pinned to the ground and they were literally just beating her up. Nikki managed to get away at one point from the twins and she ran to her bedroom and locked the door. And when she was inside the bedroom, she dialed 911. A female officer arrived at the scene and asked what was going on. Nikki starts telling the officer everything, that the two girls are beating her up they're being really physical with her and the officer can see that nikki is visibly shaken like she looks like the victim in this situation which the officer was not expecting and the two girls are denying everything they're saying that it's actually the other way round and nikki is the one abusing them and the officer wants to believe the children because she came to the scene and she was not expecting the children abusing their mother. Like it is normally the other way around and obviously you should always believe children. But the officer was looking at the situation and she could see that Nikki was scared of the two girls. Like she could actually see that with her own eyes that Nikki was shaken up whereas the two girls were just cold emotionless, no expression on their face. And the officer manages to calm down the situation and both parties agree to calm down and move forward and no further action is required. So the officer leaves, but she has this gut feeling that something else is gonna happen. Like she just has that really bad feeling that she needs to kind of stick around. So she does, she actually hangs around outside of the house for a little while. And it is a good job that she did because not too long after, Nikki comes running out of the house and she is screaming because back in the house, as soon as the officer had left, Nikki went back up to her bedroom, but Taz and Jazz followed her. And once all three of them were in the bedroom, they locked the door and jumped on their mom again. Again, they just started beating up their mom again. Thankfully, Nikki managed to get away and get out of that bedroom. And that is when she runs out of the house screaming. She flags down the officer and says, please help me. They've done it again. They're beating me up again. Please help me. Taz and Jazz come out of the house again, very cold, very emotionless, and just say, she's lying. This is all lies. But now Nikki has visible injuries. She has scratch marks all over her, on her neck, on her arms. And Nikki looks like someone that has been jumped. She looks like someone has been beating on her, but the two girls not a scratch on them. They were not upset. They were not shaken. They showed no remorse. They showed no emotion at all. They are literally emotionless. It's actually really scary how emotionless these two girls are. It's like there's nothing in there. It really is. So now the officer has no choice but to believe Nikki because that is what they can see. And this is what results in Taz and Jazz being arrested. They then head to the station where they are charged with assault and then they are ordered to attend juvenile court with their mother. Three days later, all three of them attend court and Nikki starts telling the judge that the two girls are just completely out of control and she needs help. She can't possibly do any more. The girls just won't listen to her. She just doesn't know what to do. She's at her wits end. However, the girls have a different story. Of course they do, because they always do. They again turn everything around and say that it's actually the mom that is the problem, that she has a drink and drug problem. And they say that it's actually Nikki that is the one that is out of control, not them. So in the end, the judge decides that the family needs to have mandatory counselling to train sort out their issues, try and work through them as a family. And in the meantime, until everything is resolved, the two girls will be returned to the grandmother. Della. And this is exactly what the two girls wanted because living with their grandmother, they had no rules, they had no restrictions. And as soon as they are back living with their grandmother, they go off the rails even more because they can do whatever they want. Now, Della is approaching 80 years old at this point. She has no way to control these girls. I mean, she's 80 years old, and these girls completely take advantage of Della. They actually start stealing money from Della to fund their partying life lifestyle, which really, really annoys me. I just hate it when anybody steals from vulnerable people, especially old people. Like, that just really makes my blood boil. And things go on like this for the next 18 months. They are living with their grandmother again for 18 months. For 18 months, they are just completely going crazy, going wild, partying, taking drugs, drinking lots of alcohol getting involved with all the wrong people. So now the two girls are 16 years old and Nikki throughout those 18 months never, not once, gave up on her daughters. She attended the counseling sessions. She wanted to build a relationship with her daughters. She wanted to make it work. She wanted to live with her daughters. She wanted that bond. She wanted to be their mother. And finally, in December of 2009, when the girls are 16 years old, Nikki finally got what she wanted, and the girls were put back in her custody. And Nikki is absolutely thrilled. This is all she's ever wanted. The moment those girls were taken out of her custody 18 months ago, she has been fighting every single day to get them back. However, Taz and Jazz are not happy whatsoever. They do not want to live with their mom. They just want to keep living with their grandmother where they can do whatever they want. And unfortunately, when Taz, Jazz and Nikki are walking out of the courtroom, Jazz turned to Nikki and said, if I have to go back with, you, I will kill you. And unfortunately things take a very tragic turn from this moment. So in January of 2010, Nikki threw a welcome home party for Taz and Jazz. I really need to stress this, how happy Nikki was at this moment. She did everything that she could to try and make the girls comfortable and happy and feel welcome. She invited all of the family. She invited all of Taz and Jazz's friends. But the twins were having none of it. They refused to participate in the welcome home party. They just didn't want to know. They ignored everyone there. They just didn't put in any effort. They didn't even want to try and make this work. And then over the next few days, it's just complete chaos in that house. So many arguments. It's such a toxic atmosphere. The girls instantly start skipping school again. They were sneaking out of the house, staying out to all hours of the night. And within the first few days of the two girls returning home, Nikki actually dialed 911 on three separate occasions. But nothing anyone ever did ever help the situation. The two girls were just always threatening Nikki with violence they were always intimidating her manipulating her bullying her they even started making notes to each other in their diary that they wanted to kill their mom and then on the 13th of January 2010 just four days after the two girls moved back in with their mother the absolute worst thing happened which ended in absolute tragedy so on the morning of the 13th of January Taz and Jazz woke up late for school They didn't even want to go to school. They missed the school bus. They just weren't interested in going, not at all. But Nikki really wanted to get her two girls back on the straight and narrow, back on the right path, go to school, get an education. And Nikki was furious that the two girls just didn't want to get up for school and a huge argument broke out in the household. It soon turned physical and the two girls were throwing objects at Nikki, which included kitchen utensils and pots and pans. And then suddenly one of the twins, we actually don't know which one it was, but one of them picked up a knife and they lunged at their mom and they slashed her arm. Now, Nikki was quite used to, unfortunately, physical violence from the two girls, but this had escalated and she was terrified and she managed to run out of the house. I want to point out that she was bleeding quite a lot from her wound and she immediately fled the house and she actually ran to the neighbor's house and started pounding on the door. She obviously wanted help but no one answered the door. Now the details of what exactly happens next are a little bit wishy-washy. We don't know exactly what happened but somehow the twins managed to convince their mom to come back into the house. I Assume they probably gaslit her in some way, probably love bombed her as well to try and get her back in the house. But all we do know is that Nikki goes back into that house, and the twins have no intention of trying to sort it out or trying to calm down the situation because the attack continues. Because as soon as Nikki goes back into that house, tragically, the twins jump on her and pin her to the ground. And together, Taz and Jazz are holding their mom to the ground. Nikki is completely defenseless, and then the twins take it in turns to stab their mom. They stab her in the arms, in the neck, in the head. In total, the twins stabbed their mom 80 times. Uh Uh-huh. Let that sink in. 80 times. Now, if we're assuming that they both did an equal number, that's obviously 40 times each. That is a lot in itself. 40 times for each person. There is so much rage in that. To stab someone 40 times would take so much energy. But somehow, after being stabbed 80 times, Nikki is actually still clinging to life. But the twins weren't done. They were not about to let their mom live. They ended up dragging Nikki's body to the bathroom. They filled the bathtub with water. And then together, they just threw Nikki's body into the bath. This whole time Nikki was actually pleading for her life. She was pleading with her girls but tragically it was too late. Her injuries were so bad and when she was in the bathtub very sadly Nikki slipped under the water and this is where Nikki Whitehead lost her life and I can't even imagine what that would have been like for Nikki literally watching her two daughters kill her. And it's just so sad that they did that to their mom. It's like, I don't understand why they hated their mom so much. I understand that they would have issues with their mom because obviously there is a lot of trauma there, but I just don't understand where that amount of hate came from. How did they hate their mom that much to stab her 80 times. And following the murder, the twins didn't show any remorse at all, and they only had one thing on their mind, and that is how they were going to get away with this murder. So they left Nikki's body in the bathtub, and they wiped down all surfaces to get rid of their fingerprints. Then they tried to stage an alibi, which wasn't the best, but we'll get to that. They headed off to school and they pretended like it was a normal day. They just went about their day as if nothing has happened. And I just always find that so crazy. I just don't know how people can go about their day as if they haven't just murdered someone, but that is exactly what the twins do. And then they later return from school as if it's a normal day. And then at some point when they are home, They flag down a passing police car and they run up to the police car and they say, please, oh God, please help. Someone's attacked my mom. So the officer, of course, rushes into the home and they come across a horror scene. There is blood everywhere. And I mean everywhere. There was so much blood everywhere that the officer, when they walked into the home, they could smell the blood. But there was blood all over the floor, on the couch. It was like dragged across the carpet, and you could see the blood trail going into the bathroom, which is obviously where Nikki's body was. So the police officer followed the blood to the bathroom, and that is where they came across Nikki's lifeless body in the bathtub in a pool of her own blood. So they immediately launch a murder investigation and they take Taz and Jazz down to the police station. So, of course, Nikki has been stabbed 80 times, and the stab- Stab wounds as well, a lot of the stab wounds were in the face, which is obviously very personal. One of the stab wounds to Nikki was so severe that it actually severed her spinal cord. So, because of the crime scene and because of where Nikki was stabbed and how many times, the police knew that this was personal. This was a personal attack. Whoever murdered Nikki knew her. So the police question Taz and Jazz, and what, what happened to the kitchen, the Oh, see the blood the And they say, who could do this? Who could possibly do this? Like who in your mom's life could possibly have it out for her? And Taz and Jazz say, oh, it must be Robert. She has a boyfriend, Robert. Oh, and she's also seeing another man, Joe. Yeah, it's definitely one of those two because it turns out that Nikki was also seeing another man called Joe and Robert found out about this and confronted her about her infidelity and the twins saw this as an opportunity to blame Robert or Joe for the murder. And of course, at this point, officers are not suspecting Taz or Jazz and when they hear about this love triangle situation that is going on, the officers think, ah, yes, it must be one of those two. So the police immediately start looking into Robert and Joe, but they both have rock-solid alibis. So then the police are left to wonder, Well, who could do it? So then they look to the twins and they start to notice all of the strange and unusual behavior from the twins. And the alibi of the twins, because they said that they were both at school all day, was slowly starting to fall apart. So the first unusual thing that the police noticed was that the twins were wearing gloves. They were still wearing gloves at the police station. So they asked the twins to take off their gloves and underneath on both hands of the twins are scratch marks. Which is like a pretty clear sign, okay? You've clearly been in some kind of altercation recently. Let me see your hands and your arms. What happened here? I got into a fight. you get in a fight with him? And then the second thing that they noticed that is just really, really bizarre, is that Taz keeps biting her arm. Like, I mean repeatedly, she keeps like biting her arm. And she is asked about why she's biting her arm. And Taz says that she always does it when she's nervous. It's just like a little nervous habit thing. And initially, when she was asked that, the police didn't really think too much of it. But now that they're actually looking a little bit closer into the twins, they take a closer look at the bite mark on Taz's arm and they start to think, yeah, you couldn't possibly do that to yourself. And remember, this bite mark because it comes back up. But the most obvious thing that they noticed was how cold both of the twins are. I mean, their mother has just been murdered and they're showing no emotion. They're both just acting like they don't care. In fact, they're actually openly telling the detectives how much they dislike their mother. And the detectives ask the two girls, is there anything you want? Anything that is gonna bring you comfort? Anything that will make this situation better? And the twins look at the detective and are just like, oh yeah, can we watch TV? Can we watch an episode of CSI? Very strange choice of program that you want to watch right now. Literally hours after you found out your mother has been murdered. The detectives start looking into the whereabouts of the twins as well because obviously they have said that they were in school all morning. At what time did y'all leave the house this morning? We missed the bus, so we had to walk. You walked all the way back now? Well, what time did you leave? 7.30. But the detectives just don't believe them. And they were right to not believe them because they actually found the twins on CCTV at a nearby gas station at the time that the two girls were supposed to be in school. They were actually at the gas station trying to hitch a ride with a stranger one hour after school had started and one hour after they were supposed to already be there. They were then caught on CCTV at the school arriving hours after they said that they did and at this point the investigators are truly thinking that the two girls did murder their mother. There was also evidence that they found at the crime scene because they found a pair of brown boots that were in a shoebox that were covered in blood and this shoebox with the boots in was under Taz's bed. But not only that, shoved inside the toe of one of these boots was a napkin and inside that napkin was a clump of Nikki's hair and then after they found the boots with the hair inside the investigators on the case think okay we've got them now they definitely committed this murder so they split the twins up and take them into separate interrogation rooms but the twins stick to their alibi they do not crack and unfortunately all of this evidence is just circumstantial at this point it doesn't actually prove that the twins did anything. They are forced to let the twins go and the twins return back to their grandmother's house and then, for the next four months, the twins just carry on living life as if nothing has happened. They go back to school, they go back to partying and drinking, they even attend their prom in those four months. What is probably even worse than all of that though is that they did attend their mother's funeral and at the funeral, they were emotionless as always, apart from the occasional laugh and giggle. However, in the background, investigators still believed that the twins did it. So they continued to build their case. So going back to the bite mark on Taz's arm. Well, the bite mark could not come from Taz herself. Because of the position of the indentations of the teeth, etc. And it was actually proven with dental records that the bite marks had come from Nikki. That whole, oh, I just bite my arm out of nerves and anxiety was just an excuse. It was all BS. And then, on top of all of that, the police found human hair which matched the DNA of the twins. And they didn't know which one because they have the same DNA, but they found that hair in between Nikki's teeth. So now the police have physical evidence that one, Nikki put up a fight, but then two, that she was fighting the twins. So with the physical evidence and the circumstantial evidence, they now had enough to arrest and charge Jazz and Taz for the murder of their mother. So following the arrest, they both initially plead not guilty, so they await trial, and four years pass whilst the two of them are awaiting trial. But then, after four years of awaiting trial, just before their trial, the twins confess to the murder. They clearly were acting on the advisement of their attorneys to try and get a plea deal. Both Jazz and Taz spoke about how much they hated their mom, how they both took turns in stabbing Nikki. I think I picked up a knife and I stabbed her. Where did you stab her? I think I stabbed her in the stomach. It was multiple times. How they had both placed her body in the bathtub for her to just die. I think I had her, her hands and her feet. Kind of like a joint effort. She was heavy. We just put it in. The water was turned on. At some point in time, you did realize that morning your mom was dead. Yeah. What she say when she's in the tub? Kill me now, and I'll kill me. y'all. But what happened then? She just um, she went under a couple times, and that was it. And then they both admitted to trying to clean up the crime scene and try and stage an alibi. And then following this confession, they did get a plea deal where both of them pleaded guilty to voluntary manslaughter. And then in January of 2014, they were both sentenced to 30 years in prison. And they are still in prison to this day. And they're actually in separate prisons. I don't think they're allowed to be in the same prison. I may be wrong on that, but I definitely know they're in separate prisons. And this case is just so sad. Like it really is, like I said in the intro, It's just so sad. This family has just been completely torn apart. There is so much tragedy and heartbreak and to have the two daughters turn against their mother, he was just trying her best, is just so heartbreaking. And I just can't help but think, what the hell drove both of those girls to murder their mother? Where did that rage come from? Like, where? Normally when you think of children killing, because they were only 16 when they killed their mom, they are still children. Normally when children murder somebody, and I say normally, this is not a blanket statement for All situations, but normally there is some sort of significant trauma that has driven them to it. There is significant abuse or neglect or serious mental health issues, but we don't see that significant trauma in this case. Do the girls have trauma? Of course they do. Like I said earlier, I understand that they would have issues with their mom. Nikki was absent in the beginning of their life. They may have abandonment issues, but Nikki, for a significant period, was trying to make amends for that. She was trying to rebuild her relationship with her daughters and she always put them first. She was always trying to get them back. And I just want to end this video and reflect on the loss of Nikki Whitehead. Nikki Whitehead was described as kind, caring, and deeply loving by those who knew her. She had many close friends, all of whom adored her and she was known for being able to put a smile on anyone's face who came into her beauty salon. Nikki cared so deeply for her two daughters and she just wanted what was best for them in life, but sadly things ended in absolute tragedy and she was only 34 years old. I think it is very easy to forget how young Nikki was when she was murdered. She was only 34. And this case is just so incredibly sad. There was so much trauma and I just wish that it had ended differently. I really do. I wish that Nikki was still here and I wish that she had the relationship that she wanted with her daughters. And that brings us to the end of the episode on the Whitehead Twins. Thank you so much everyone for listening today. Subscribe or follow to make sure you never miss an episode of The Criminal Makeup and if you enjoy the show it would really mean a lot if you could leave a five star review. In the meantime if you've been affected by any of the themes in this episode please take the time to look at the description for this episode for some helpful resources. Special thanks to my producers at Audioboom Studios and I'll see you all in the next one.